So we're really excited about the ability to grow Gage in Michigan. Michigan is a huge market. I believe it's the third or fourth largest market in, in the country right now. But also, we are going to take the Gage brands and launch them in our other markets uh, as well. And we think that when you take these companies that have proven themselves in, in tougher places and you bring them to limited licensed states like Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, then we think that we're gonna enjoy a whole lot of success in those states as well. From the PodConnect studios, high in the Rockies at the beautiful Beaver Creek Resort, it's the Raising Cannabis Capital Show. Today on MJ Bulls, we are joined by Jason Wild, founder and chief investment officer at JW Asset Management and the chairman of TerraCent. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you being with us today. For anybody that doesn't know this former pharmacist story, hang on to your hats because there's way more to tell than we have time. So Jason, if you don't mind, I'm going to skip from when you started your first hedge fund with just $80,000 to the gamble you took on the Canadian cannabis market to where I want to start. You were killing it in Canada. How did you know it was time to risk it all and to start investing in the U.S. cannabis market? That's a good question. My view when I started investing in Canada was this is going to be a huge trend. Canada was ahead of the U.S. in terms of legalization. It was legalized medically, I think, sometime around 2013. And that was where I first started looking and investing. And I stayed out of the U.S. because, honestly, I was worried about getting arrested. I run my <laughs> fund and I live in New York. And, and I was actually worried about that. And, and my view was the Canadian stocks were going to be the one were able to attract the most capital because there were going to be a lot of investors and especially institutional investors that had the same level of comfort not investing in the U.S. and only investing in Canada. And I felt like it wasn't a big give for me because those companies were going to attract the most capital. And from 2014 to 2018, that ended up working out really well. The Canadian companies went up much, much more in value than the U.S. was. But what changed all of that was when they asked that John Banner was going on the board of Acreage. And that flipped the switch where I said, screw it. They're not arresting anybody. There's too many rich and powerful people involved in the industry. And that was what made me ready to make the move. And also, the fact is, the market in the U.S. is much, much bigger than it is in Canada. Canada is like the size of California in terms of its economy, so smaller than the whole U.S., and especially in terms of where the, all the profits were being generated, even back uh, in 18 when we made the switch, it was almost exclusively in the U.S. and not in Canada. That's what made us decide to do that. But we knew that we'd be giving up our ability to list on a U.S. exchange versus the Canadian-only ones that were not in the U.S. were able to be on the NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange. But to me, it always came back to a quote that I annoyingly repeat often, which is short term, the market is a voting machine and long term, it's a weighing machine, meaning we need to build a, a company that qualifies on the weighing machine that has real profits and is sustainable over the long term. And I felt like the only way to do that was to be in the U.S., even if we were giving up the, the voting machine, which meant being on a U.S. market, I mm -hmm. felt like it was much more important to be able to have the chance to build a substantial, sustainable business. Well, your instincts were spot on. The U.S. market's doing great. And you went from managing $80,000 in assets to now you're managing over $2 billion in assets. Can you give us a quick overview of your cannabis portfolio along with the states that you operate out of? So our portfolio, Terrasen, as I mentioned, is a, a very large position. We invested $52 million in Terrasen at the end of 17. Actually, I led my $52 million placement, Canopy Growth co-invested in that deal with me. 
But that's a very large position for us. And we have subsequently invested, I believe, over $100 million in TerraSend. Over the last two years, we are one of the top operators in Pennsylvania. We just built a 140,000 square foot cultivation and manufacturing facility in Jersey. We own a facility grow in, in Maryland. And we own uh, also cultivate and uh, manufacturing in California. And we own the apothecarium uh, dispensary chain in Northern California, which is one of the uh, higher market share San Francisco uh, operators. So that's where TerraSend is. We're invested in a cannabis tech company called Afilo. Clearly, our biggest position is in TerraSend. Since I'm the executive chairman there, I have a very active role and spend a big chunk of my day doing that. But I sort of feel like I can act a little bit more like Switzerland in terms of (laughs) these other operators in the space because we've been investors in many of their companies for years and we built a good relationship. I've held on to my investments in some of these other companies and we've actually made new significant investments in a lot of these companies, including Gage, one of the leading operators in Michigan. And it's, I would say it's one of the more aspirational brands in Michigan. And the state doesn't give out uh, full details on ranking. So I'm not sure if Gage is number one, two or three, but what I can tell you is that when you speak to people in the Michigan market, I believe that almost all of them think that they are the top one or one of the top ones from the perspective of having some of the coolest stores and the coolest brands in the state. Mm -hmm. So we we announced two months ago that we are acquiring the company. They're going to add a a whole lot of growth to our company, to, to the combined footprint. But what's really exciting is that Gage has proven themselves in a relatively competitive market. Michigan is not like a lot of these other operations that are east of the Mississippi that are limited license states. In Michigan, as long as you qualify for a license, you can get one. And what ends up making that play out is that in those states, the companies that do the best are actually some of the best operators. When you have operators in limited license states, like say along the East Coast, many of those operators are the top operators because they built the most scale, the quickest, and they can make the most stuff. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean that all of the patients or the customers that are out there would be choosing their products if they had more choice. In Michigan, since it's an unlimited license state, and since Gage does so well there, in my view, it means because people are actually choosing their products because people just have so many more choices. So we're really excited about the ability to grow Gage in Michigan. Michigan is a huge market. I believe it's the third or fourth largest market in in the country right now. But also, we are going to take the Gage brands and launch them in our other markets uh, as well. And we think that when you take these companies that have proven themselves in, in tougher places and you bring them to limited license states like Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, we think that we're going to enjoy a whole lot of success in those states as well. Oh, I agree. Gage has a lot of cachet and they were able to leverage that with some licensing agreements. And I know, for instance, the cookies agreement was huge. Are you going to be able to expand on that relationship? Absolutely. So Terrasen already announced back in August that we got the exclusive license from cookies for New Jersey. So we will have three cookies corners within our dispensaries. We'll have three dispensaries in Jersey. And we also are the exclusive produced cultivator and manufacturer of cookies branded products for the whole state. We were already cultivating cookies products in our facilities. And we will most likely only sell the cookies branded products through our own dispensaries. And we learned this from Gage's success in Michigan. If you carry the products exclusively in your own dispensaries, then you draw people from not just across the state, but from other states as well, once a rec kicks in in, uh, in New Jersey. So we're very excited about launching cookies in New Jersey. 
And I would say that we would hope to be able to announce further agreements with cookies in the future. Those guys were were thrilled when they found out that we were acquiring Gage because Gage is one of Cookies' top, if not their top partner in the, in the country. They just trust them from the perspective of that the Gage folks are not going to put any product in the bag and sell it to customers unless it meets their high standards, which are very similar to the Cookie standards. Yeah, and very similar to Terrasend standards now. So Absolutely. that's, I think that makes a big difference. Now, in the Terrasend ones, do you own those outright or are you? partners or majority owners in those assets? In the different states where Terracent is, we own 100% of our Pennsylvania asset. And I think we have the largest capacity in Pennsylvania. We So the majority of our business is wholesale, but we also own six dispensaries in PA uh, and looking for more because you can get up to 18 in Pennsylvania. In Jersey, we just bought another, what was it, 12.5%. So we're at 87.5% right now. And we have a call option that we can exercise by the beginning of 23 to to roll in another six and a quarter percent. So we'll over 90% of that. And it was worth having a partner on that one because our two partners there have brought tremendous value and have helped us navigate the New Jersey. I don't feel like we would have been as effective ourselves. So that was uh, Jersey, Maryland, we own 100% of, and the California assets we own 100% of. And we also still own a, a licensed producer in Toronto. You know, I had a lot of friends that were in the video industry who got barred out by Blockbuster or Movie Gallery. Is that the goal to build a national brand through acquisitions? I think it's to build a national footprint. I'm not sure whether it would would need to be the same brand in in every state, because in cannabis, there are very few brands that have uh, national recognition. For Terrasim, we took the approach of going deep and not wide, meaning we're only operating right now in four states. Up until a year ago, we were in uh, two states. We only wanted to be in a state if we could be one of the top players in the state. In my view, if you're spread thinner and you have a lot of flags on the map, then I think you have a a lesser chance of actually winning just because you're less focused. And if you are focused, you're going to build more scale in those specific states and have some of the best margins as well. I I would much rather be, say in Pennsylvania, our facility is 200-ish thousand square feet. I'd much rather have one facility that has 200,000 square feet than five facilities in five different states that have 40,000 square feet because the margins are going to be so much better. And and again, since we're focused, we're going to have a better chance of actually winning in that market. So that's for the near term. And then over the long term, as things get more competitive in a lot of these limited license states, I feel like having that scale still helps you because there could be a price at which you know a pound of cannabis goes down to where a 200,000 square foot facility can still make a, a nice margin and a 40,000 square foot facility will not be able to turn a profit. So I feel like it helps us to be focused in the near term and in the long term. And in terms of building out a national footprint, my view is we're just going to do it sort of slow and steady and take on more states as we feel like we have the capacity, which is what we've done in the last year or so. And the amazing thing is the prices for assets in terms of if we want to acquire them, they've been going down because in so many of these limited licensed states, there's caps on how many dispensaries you can have and how many square feet of cultivation you can have. Like as an example is Massachusetts. The other top 10 MSOs in Massachusetts, most of them are already maxed out. So there's just less buyers and there's less competitive tension when if we want to go in and buy one of these assets, my view is we can come as a second mover to a lot of those states because nobody can be dominant. And 
That's why there are so many what I call mom and pop operators in many of these limited license states that are available for sale is because they didn't get blown out of the water by these big MSOs. And the thing is, a lot of them want to sell and there's no buyers left. As an example, in Massachusetts, every week we see multiple uh, deals where a mom and pop is doing 20 million in EBITDA or pre-tax profits. And they say they're going to do 30 or 40 million next year. And we can buy those things for like five times EBITDA because there's nobody else that can pull off a $100 million deal. There's no buyers left. That's another reason that I feel like we can wait for our pitch, which we have been doing for the last couple of years, because prices are not going to run away from us. I don't have any FOMO about missing out. I actually think they're going to continue to become more attractive. That's an interesting point. And you're the first person that's brought that up. And it it makes perfect sense. So you're in a catbird seat sitting there with sort of a moat around Pennsylvania. You're going to dominate that state. It'll be your cash cow. The other New Jersey, there's not a lot of licenses there. That'll be a cash cow. Use that revenue to buy up. You're in a good spot. You recently released your 2021 Q3 results. You want to touch on those? Sure. We reported revenues that were up about 39% year over year. They were down sequentially, but as we had announced in August of this year, we had some growing pains that we went through with our Pennsylvania expansion. We took on a very large scale expansion. And what happens sometimes is you have construction work going on in a facility that has live plants. And these (laughs) plants are very finicky, especially when you're trying to grow the best possible stuff that you can. And it caused us some issues. We needed to do some things and in the near term, sacrifice revenue. But for the long term, we know that it was absolutely the the right move to make. And what we announced on the conference call uh, last week was that the flour that we are now producing in Pennsylvania is the best flour that we've ever grown in the state. Not just the best since we started the expansion, the best since we've owned the license for about three and a half or four years. Uh, and when I say the best, that's not uh, something that's subjective. Our last two uh, harvests that we took down were the highest THC levels that we've ever achieved. One batch was 31% and one batch was 35% THC. And we've also had amongst the highest levels of terpene concentrations as well. So I'm just super excited about where the quality has come in a, in a short period of time. Overall, in terms of the company in Q3, some of the other things we discussed is we are ready for REC to kick in in New Jersey. It's been delayed a little bit versus when people originally expected it to start, but it looks like it's going to start in the first quarter, probably by the middle of February. We will have three of the best locations for our dispensaries in the state. We think our dispensaries have the ability to do 40 plus million dollars in run rate revenue within the first few quarters, which is pretty crazy to think of. And we've got this beautiful facility that has been producing high quality flour now for about a year, and we're ready to go. And add on to that, cookies, say within the first quarter, we think we've got some amazing opportunities in Jersey. One other thing that I would add in terms of our announcements for the, uh, this past quarter, we announced that we bought a 158,000 square foot facility, a warehouse in Maryland, and that we will be moving our small scale cultivation from our current facility to that facility in the first half of this coming year. The work has already started. Our lab, where we'll be making all the extracted products, will open in Q1, and our cultivation will open in Q2. And as uh, many of your listeners may know, Maryland is looked at as one of the next states to go wreck. Hopefully, that would be implemented in 2023, and we'll be ready to go with one of the largest facilities in the state. 
Before I let you go, I, I know our listeners would kill me if I didn't ask you about your different funds and how investors can get involved. Sure. So the main flagship funds are JW Partners and JW Opportunities Fund. The JW Opportunities Fund is open to new investors. We uh, also are in the process of launching a impact fund to fund yeah. Black-owned businesses in the cannabis space. And I partnered with Chris Weber, the uh, Hall of Fame uh, NBA basketball player. We, we're just launching that right now. And we're targeting $100 million for that. That's a capital commitment fund, more like a private equity fund. And our other existing funds that we've been running forever, those are more regular, like hedge fund structured, where people can come in the first of any month and they could, they could uh, withdraw money uh, quarterly with 30 days notice. So we have two different structures and, and some different strategies. And we're really excited about the sort of the future for both of them. Talk about exciting. I think everybody's excited about the future of cannabis right now, yeah. and especially for somebody that's got the instincts and the entrepreneurial spirit that you seem to possess. I think this is the right, the right place if you need somebody to to partner up with. And like I mentioned, I'll have Jason's and JW Holdings information in the show notes. And I'm sure there'll be somebody over there who will be happy to talk to you about yeah, acquisitions or partnering. And Jason, it's been great to get to know you. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has can of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network. Network.